This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Um, this is Rafa Shleima for Minasha Ben Rosa, Frecha Bat Aisha, Yoad Ben Arlit, Amir Ben Ella, Vishto, and Ayal Ben Tirza. Ayal Ben Tirza. Ayal Ben Tirza. That they should have Rafa Tanefesh Vota Chaim Vota Guf. Hashda Baglavz Makriv and Omar Amen. Okay. So guys, um, what we're going to be doing tonight, this is one of the more difficult barachot to teach. Uh, uh, I'm begging Hashem for a special siyat dishmaya. I, I think the reason why we have a smaller crowd tonight is Hashem is going easy on me to have less people fight against me. Because uh, this is the barachah that um, uh, you need a special siyat dishmaya because you can accomplish so much with this barachah. There is so much that we can accomplish with this that in all honesty... Um, I really think that the Satan is afraid of this Baracha. So let's see. Let's see what this Baracha is about. So first of all, this is the sixth Baracha in the Amidah. So we have on top Baracha number six, forgiveness. Um, I, I, one second, Torah anytime. So I don't know how to send you one of these. I, I don't know how to do that. Uh, maybe we'll figure out. We can put up a PDF up online by the thing. I don't know, but uh, what, what, we're, what we're giving a look at over here are the sheets that I put together. Uh, so these are my translations, and you're going to see why I put these translations on, because they're meant to help with the flow of the baracha. So um, this top gray box I've taken from different sidurim that have very good intros to the baracha. Hashem, in this baracha, I want to beg your forgiveness, hopefully painlessly, but if need be, even with isurim, and to bless you on this. So we're going to see what that means. Slach lanu avinu ki Forgive us, Father, for I have sinned. Now, uh, why does that sound familiar? So, I mean, it's amazing, but those thieving Christians, right? I mean, this is our, this is what we say. <laughs> we say, forgive us, our Father, for we have sinned. And um, I, I, I don't know when the Christians started saying this. I'm, I, 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 I'm not sure historically. No, but I'm saying, but the Christian, when they go into a, a confessional, so what do they do? They sit down and they have their frunk frunk. Little booth. Has anybody ever watched a movie ever? Yes. Right? And they're just like, forgive me, Father, if I have sinned. That's what happens. And, and then the father's like, what have you done, my child? He says, I've killed a man. Right? And that's, that's how he goes. And then he says back, I've told you thousands of times, you can't kill nobody. And then he says back, but Father, they deserved it. And then he says, no man on planet Earth should be judge, jury, or executioner to decide who is guilty and who is innocent. It's up to God to decide that, my son. And, and then they have their whole conversation. Okay, so it, it starts out. It starts out with "Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned," and just know that that's ours. Everybody's calling a man. Huh? He's calling a man. Yeah. Well, well, and that's kind of their problem. Yeah, yeah. That, that's uh, yeah. over there. They're referring to Father as the guy in the other booth. We're referring to Father as our Abba up in Shemaim, and that is obviously the big difference. But what are we trying to do with this bracha? What is it that? this baracha is going to be doing. Meaning, last baracha, didn't we get to Shuva in last baracha? Didn't we do that? So last baracha was all, and that's why I like to have them both on the same sheet. If you guys remember last week when we went through this, we spent two weeks on that last baracha because that is all about returning to God. Right? Returning to God through Torah, returning to God through Avodah, and then returning us in a Teshuvah Shleimah before you. Bless you, Hashem, the one who wants us to do Teshuva. So we returned. Hooray! So if we returned, so then what is this Beracha? 
And by the way, um, I, I'm on a big WhatsApp group with many rabbis. And one rabbi asked this to everybody else. Hey, can anybody explain to me the difference between this baracha of Hashivin Taratach and this baracha of Slach Lanu? And I'll be honest, it was very slim pickings inside the answer. So if this is something we're doing every day, this is something that was written by Nevi'im, this is something written by prophets, they had a few prophets left inside the Anshik Nasser HaGedola, inside the Men of the Great Assembly, they obviously weren't writing things extra. They weren't like making a redundant Baracha that doesn't make sense. Right. So what is this Baracha? What is the difference between what we're going to call Teshuvah and then this one which we named forgiveness? Right? What's the difference? Good. So we really have to delve into it. And like we said... Every baracha in the Amidah will be able to figure out the theme of that baracha based on the blessing part. Because the melachim, the angels themselves, at some point or another in history, said this blessing. And because the angels said this, that kind of sets the tone for the concept, the reality of what this baracha is trying to tell us. So, let's see this now. This baracha is the sixth baracha in the Amidah. So even before we get into the angels, we have to understand that even the numbers in the Amidah mean a lot. What is the number six? So the, uh, it's, it's actually this week's parashah, and it was a few weeks also. Um, if you guys have ever heard of the hooks inside the Mishkan, inside the tabernacle, it's a funny word. Tabernacle? Yeah. In, I mean, that's what we call the Mishkan in English. Taber- I, I feel it's a wasted word. In English no, is funny. It's, it's a funny word, but I, I think the word tabernacle should have been like for bread. You know, can I get a, a half a pound of pastrami on tabernacle? Like, that, <laughs> that sounds right. Was that brown uh, bagel? <laughs> yeah, I'm saying it sounds like pumpernickel, but pumpernickel, tabernacle, yeah. but tabernacle's half the calories. So that's so much better. It's just, I feel like when they said, okay, when Webster decided, all right, you know that temple that the Jews had, let's call it tabernacle? I, I, why did somebody complain? Like, you know, you have other things that, that really need that. I don't know. Felt Temple is good enough. Okay. So, but tabernacle. Tabernacle it is. So when they built the tabernacle, when they built the Mishkan, of the Mishkan, there we go. So they had the Uriot. They had the, the uh, right. curtains. Now, these curtains needed to be attached to each other. And they had these S-shaped hooks. The letter S and you put one like we have today. You put one on one side and one, and that's what keeps them together. Those were called the Vavei Mishkan. Those were called literally the letter Vav. And the letter Vav, I mean, it doesn't really mean hook, but they called it a Vav. That's what just, I mean, if you look at the Pesukim, Vav, Vav, Yudio, Vavei Mishkan. But Vav is also a hook so, of words. So, no, 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 I understand that, but it's from the reality of, meaning they took from the Torah this word, vav. Now, why? Why? Because what does a hook do? Connects. Mm, a connects. And he said, the letter vav is a connector. That's what it does to anything. It, you put it at the beginning of a word, and it says, and he said, it's letting you know the idea from the sentence before is connected to this vav is the great connector. This is the sixth barachan, the Amidah. This is the letter vav of the Amidah. The letter vav is the number six. This is the one that is the vave. This is the hook. This is the connector between humans and God. Which is a fascinating power of this bracha. Last bracha, how close did we get to God in last bracha? Last bracha, we got till lefanecha. 
100%. Last baracha, we got just standing in front of God. But did we connect? No, we did not. We were still somewhat of a distance. We were able to perceive God, but we did not connect to God. Comes this next baracha, and it has the chutzpah to allow a human being to say, Vave Mishkan, that I'm making a connection with God. How is that done? How to how work? How is this, bro, right? So, so I mean, I, I, did, I don't want to go that way, meaning that certainly within God's name, you're going to find certain connections to this, but I, I on purpose want to keep it out of the Kabbalistic sense because I want to make it practical. You know, I want to keep it down to earth with us. So when it comes to this Biracha, so number one, the Derech Hashem, in the second chapter, the Derech Hashem writes that in order to be Davuk, you have to be domel in order to davuk from the word devek glue in order to connect the chibur to make this connection to God you have to be domel you have to be similar look like now how do we look like God so that means that there's something in this baracha which is the chibur which is the davuk which is the connector of God which demands of us to be domel to somehow or other mimic or look like God how is that possible so we're going to find it now within the theme of the Beracha. So we're skipping down. We're skipping down to the last line of the Beracha. Baruch atah Hashem. Bless you, Hashem. By the way, um, just stop. If you ever want to use my sheets, I have that. Under the word Hashem, I have Wiawibi. W-I-A-W-B. So I'm not insane. I, I, I put that there because that stands for was, is, and always will be. Um, the Halakha tells us, in Shulchan Aruch, all in the beginning, the first few simanim in Shulchan Aruch, it tells us that whenever you say God's name of the letter Yud, the letter Hey, the letter Vav, and the letter Hey, what a person is meant to do is think Hayahoveviyeh, was, is, and always will be. So when a person is praying this in the Amidah, so I like to just put that little thing there on the bottom to remind the person that have in mind was, is, and always will be. God was God, is God, and always will be God. Okay. Chanun hamarbe lislavach. The gracious giver. Chanun means he graciously gives, even if we don't deserve it. And he's abundant in his forgiving, both in quantity and in quality of our sins. At some point or another in history, the angels said this blessing. When did the angels say this at, in, in history? What happened in history, historically, what happened that the angels said this blessing? Uh, so theoretically, they probably said something along those lines, but... The first time they said this, I, I, I should be a little clearer. The first time, the first time that we find, because the, let, let me tell you why we're saying it. The first time the angel said this is when the angels were surprised that God actually does what he did. After Hashem does it once, okay, now it's a reality, now it's within nature. But the first time Hashem does it, wow, that's, that's incredible. What's the first time? So after that, after that, because there wasn't much of a connector. So let me, let me just, for sake of time, let me just tell you guys. So after that, after that. After that so let me just tell you guys. One, well, sorry, but uh, you know, uh, we, we, we have so much information to go through tonight. Yehuda and Tamar. So do we know the story? I'm, I'm going to run through this quickly. The story of Yehuda and Tamar very fast. So right after Yehuda was the one in charge, who was the brains behind selling Yosef? After he sold Yosef, they all come back to Yaakov and they have their running lie. And they say to Yaakov, Taraf, Taraf, Yosef, he was torn apart by a wild animal. And here is his ketonet pasim. Here is his tunic to show you that, um, uh, that there's blood on it. And Yaakov, uh, he was so sad. And the brothers didn't see this coming. But Yaakov, 
he didn't bounce back. Right? It says, right? The, the Pasuk says that the Banavu Banotav, that's where we know, that Pasuk is the one where we know what each of the brothers were born with a twin sister. It says, Banavu Banotav, all of his children and daughters came, all the sons and daughters came around to try to console him, and he couldn't be consoled. The brothers saw that Yaakov Avinu is not bouncing out of this, and they turned to Yehuda and they said, Yehuda, how could this possibly be? Yehuda, how could this possibly be that a person could have not thought through so far ahead that Yaakov, our father, he's suffering, he's suffering here. They blamed him. Yehuda felt terrible. Rashi tells us the next, the next um, parasha, in parashat Vayeshev, right after the selling is, Yehuda moves away. And Rashi over there tells us, Yehuda kind of went down in levels. I don't mean he started sinning, that's, that's not it, but I do mean that he was in a bad place. You know, he, he just he wasn't connected to his family anymore. He decided to move away. When he moved away, an incredible thing happened. When he moved away, Yehuda goes, he finds a business partner, he finds a wife, and uh, they, they go and they have kids. He has three kids. You guys know the story. I, I don't spend too much time on the story. His first son was Rabbeinu Hashem. His first son was evil in the eyes of God uh, because he was having relations with his wife, with Tamar. And unfortunately, um, it says that he, he was with Lashon of Dash, but basically he was having relations, but he, he wasn't doing uh, the full job, whatever that means. And God didn't like that. He was, uh, he was wasting um, Zerah. And because of that, God killed him. She goes and she marries the second son. He did the same thing. God killed him too. Yehuda is not understanding what's happening. His children are dying left and right. Yehuda is kind of afraid of this Tamar lady. And she says, let me marry your youngest son. And he's like, well, he's a little bit young. So, okay, uh, he's a little bit young. Uh, how long am I going to wait? I don't know. We're going to have to wait and see. Meanwhile, what happens? She sees, Tamar sees that Yehuda's not going to be giving Shayla his youngest son over. So what does Tamar do? She dresses like a uh, a, a prostitute, like a zonat. She stands by the crossroads. And Yehuda comes by. Now, guys, the Gemara and Brachot does tell us that anybody who thinks David Melch sinned is a fool. Anybody who thinks that Yehuda sinned is a fool. Right. Tonight is not the night that I'm going to be explaining this. I, 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 have, I have a one-hour shiur to explain what happened to Yehuda. That's, that's just not for tonight. But we're just going to take it um, for the uh, reality of what happened. It says that Malachim came and literally pushed Yehuda in that direction. Yehuda goes and he has um, he has his time with her, and then she says, pay me, and he says, I don't have, she says, I'm going to send you, I'm going to send you payment, and he ends up leaving his signet ring and his staff with her, okay, not a smart move, so later, I, I just don't, just, just <laughs> okay, so I'm, I'm just trying, okay, the reason why I'm laughing is because, uh, no, it's nothing to do with that, uh, if you guys see the, uh, the tripod, so I was a few minutes late tonight, because on my way out, I picked up the tripod and it went like this. <laughs> it flew right out of my hand. I'm like, what? I'm like, what in the world? I go to pick it up and it's covered. It's caked in Vaseline. I'm like, what? I look at my hands and ask my wife, what is happening? So apparently, so I think my one and a half year old is now, he's already starting. You know, we, we introduced the baby to him. I was like, baby, baby, noise. And I'm like, whoa, that's not noise. That doesn't look like noise to me. And now he's trying to do things to, to, to start to be like, hey, hey, I, oh, 100%. So I, he sat there today. He's like, okay, 
two could play at this. <laughs> yes. and, and he just sat there, just won't pay attention to me, will you? Well, what will you do when you precious little tripod is covered in Vaseline? Yes. And that's a, so I, I, I sat there trying to clean it off and clean it off. It's still everywhere. Okay, so a stupid thing. Every time I see it, I laugh. Um, where are we? Oh, yeah, Yehuda and Tamar. So now um, everybody comes to Yehuda and says to him, Tamar, uh, she went and did that, and she was a Shomeris Yavam. What that means is she should have been in wait for his youngest son. And if she went and she was with somebody else, that's in the level of um, adultery. And therefore, burn her, burn her, burn her. She's a witch, a witch, a witch. Right? That's obviously, nobody cares. Okay. Monty Python. Okay. So um, they go to burn her at the stake. Because before they had cable TV, Sam, what they would do is everybody would wait for the next burning of a human being. That never gets old. It's not like you're running. By the way, they're about to burn a lady. And the guy's like, well, I I saw them burn her two weeks ago. It's like "Mm, that sentence has never been said. Everybody wants to see the burning of a person because that's amazingly crazy. So the the whole angry mob of the Simpsons are all just standing around and they're ready to burn her at the stake. And what happens? They bring her to Yehuda. And Yehuda looks at her and he says, you filth. And she decides to take out the ring and the stick. And she says to him, the owner of the ring and the stick is the father of the baby or babies really in my belly. Yehuda knew at that moment that she was the one that he was with. And like the way that the Gemara explains it is, is that she was willing to die instead of embarrassing Yehuda. And that's where we learned that instead of embarrassing somebody in public, you should die instead Incredibly, Yehuda now had a choice. Either Yehuda keeps quiet, or, admits. or Yehuda admits, and, and he gets completely, completely embarrassed. Well, Yehuda goes, and the entire crowd of people, everybody, he was the Avbetin, he was the one in charge of the whole town. And they're waiting, and they're just like, burn her, burn her, they're ready to burn her. And Yehuda comes outside, and Yehuda says, Two words. Party over. Sadkami many. Party over. <laughs> Here you go. Sadkami many. She's more righteous than me. And Yehuda explained to everybody what happened. The moment that Yehuda, now listen very closely. The moment that Yehuda got embarrassed, the moment that Yehuda got that scathing embarrassment, in heaven they absolutely wiped his slate clean. So much so that the angels said, Baruch Hashem, Chanun Hamar the Midrash says, at that moment that Yehuda said, I'm guilty, she's innocent, and he was embarrassed in front of everybody, the angels in heaven said, bless you, Hashem, Chanun Hamar the one who's abundantly full of forgiveness. And the question is, what is going on over here? It's copying that. I, I, but what is going on? So it has to be a dimyot. You're right. There has to be some kind of a some kind of a mimicry here of God because we said that this is the sixth baracha, the letter vav, the connector. With this baracha, we connect the vaveha mishkan, the connection to God. What is going on over here? So, incredibly, it was from this embarrassment that he got completely cleaned. I want you to really appreciate this embarrassment for a second. I want you to envision the greatest tzaddik, the greatest rabbi, the greatest gadol you can think of. I'm I'm not saying a name because things are about to get really crazy right now, so I don't want to use a name. And imagine if he had like a computer in his house, that was chidushim and everything else was typed on. And imagine if um, it was brought for repair 
it broke. And the repairman tells the shamosh of this great, great rabbi, look, I don't know what's happening, but when I, I saw on the hard drive that there's hours and hours and hours of pornography on this. So somebody inside this great, great rabbi's house is, is doing something really terrible. The shamosh comes back and he decides to start to look and he, he starts a whole witch hunt to figure And finally he decides to pin it on one guy. It has to be, we weren't home and this, and it works out the times. So and now it becomes like public news. And all the people on all the websites are found on Gadol Hadar's thing, pornography on the computer. And they're about to go public that it was this guy, Reuven. And right before they're about to go public, the rabbi, the Gadol Hadar, steps up and says, it was me. Can you imagine the embarrassment? Can you imagine the Gehenam of embarrassment that Yehuda went through? Because when Yehuda stood up and said that, that is literally exactly what happened to him. And says the angels, oh, you had that embarrassment? Completely forgiven. What is Pshat in this? So guys, this is the theme of the bracha. We're building it slowly but surely. The theme of the bracha goes like this. In the last bracha, we asked, what's the difference between the last bracha of Teshuvah and this bracha of forgiveness? If you remember, the last bracha was said about Reuven. The last bracha, the angels said it when Reuven was finally forgiven in heaven. You see, Teshuvah, similar to Reuven, was something that he had to fix his entire life. Reuven had a characteristic flaw of acting too fast, of being upset and angry and deciding to judge things too quickly. And that's what Yaakov said, Pachas Kamayim, that you acted way too quick. And because of that, it was an entire life process of Teshuvah. Teshuvah is a process of overcoming our smallness. Remember, the whole Barachah, did we say anything about forgive me inside the Barachah of Teshuvah? Nothing. We didn't say the word forgive me one time. What did we say in Teshuvah in the last Barachah? We kept on saying, return me back to you, bring me back to you, bring me closer to you. Bring me closer to you. And the reason why we kept on saying that is because we weren't interested in forgiveness. We were interested in simply overcoming our smallness to never be that same small person anymore. And finally being able to get closer to you, Hashem, because life isn't worth living. The first bracha gave us brains. After we had brains, we realized, oh my gosh, I'm so far away from my purpose in this life. God, you are my purpose. Please bring me closer to you through Torah, through tefillah. I don't want to be in that sin state anymore. I want to just jump levels and lift anach and stand before you. That was last bracha. That's all about the process and the beauty of Teshuvah. Did Yehuda, did he sin over here because of a character flaw? No. He just sinned because he sinned. Now, again, the Gemara doesn't even call it a sin. The Gemara says that the angels were pushing him and that it had to happen for various reasons. We don't consider this story of Yehuda a character flaw. There are many times that many of us sin. And why? It's because... That's it, that's it, that's it. A a moment of shtut, a moment of ridiculousness, of stupidity entered into me. You know, a lot of times you'll have a husband say something really stupid to his wife. And she just, I can't believe it. And and, and the answer of why your husband said it is because he's an idiot. That's it. I mean, that's, that's the beginning and end of it. Don't try to figure it out. Don't try to make sense of it. He's a man. I'm just, that, he's a moron. That, that's just all the... You know, a lot of times, I'm, I'm still shocked at certain rebbeim and certain teachers in class. You have one kid 
who goes, let's say, in class. He takes off his shoe in class and just throws it across the classroom. And the teacher's like, why'd you do that? Why? <laughs> there, is no re- there is no reason on earth you can put that kid's head through an MRI before, hook him up to machines and just get those waves going. You're going to get absolutely nothing. It's just, I acted out of ridiculous, moronic, who knows what, just... I mean, that's just all there is to it. Just, just, just out of this craziness of, of just craziness. Sometimes we just had this rush that, that goes and just enters into us. You know, but the biggest question with Yehuda wasn't what he did, that he said he goes to the whole Huh? That he goes to uh, no, probably, no, so, so the Shaila, so, so again, I, I have many, many hours of material on this. So that, no, that's just for a different time. No, 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 but there's a question why. Like, no, nothing, nothing, nothing is ever, ever by coincidence. There's a reason why it had to happen in that particular way. Maybe a different time. There's a fascinating answer to that, but not for tonight. I, I, I don't want to go off track. Lama'asa, when it comes to us doing certain things, so Tishuvah is the process of us returning. The last baracha has nothing to do with forgiveness. The last baracha is, I can't live another moment that I'm far away from you. Bring me close to you. Now that we got close, one second. So great, we, we got close to God. And we said that our last baracha, we said that our um, purpose sins, they turn into zechiyot, they turn into merit. But still, can you connect? And the answer is you cannot. You can't connect because Why? you still have mud on your shoes. You still have that dirt all around you. Even if you do teshuvah, and even if your sins turn into merit, but lema'aseh, there's destruction that you've caused. And there's a reality to that destruction. Period. This baracha is, God, now that I want to return to you, I can't connect because in between me and you, I've caused God knows how much destruction. And I need you, Hashem, to come and to fix that destructive thing as if it never happened so that I can finally connect. And now, one second, next step. Guys, a very deep bracha. Next step, what is the brick and mortar that God uses to build back the thing that you destroyed? Embarrassment of Yehuda. That's right. Pain and suffering. Sounds terrible. But Hashem says, okay, you want to build this back? Burn! <laughs> Why is that? I, God is this masochistic, crazy God who just loves hurting people? Of course not. But at the same time, we see that the currency used by Yehuda, and that's the theme. We have to keep on coming back to the theme. The currency used to get to Hanun Hamar Belisloach was the burning and embarrassment of Yehuda. Why is it that that is the currency that has to be traded in order for a person to be able to return to Hashem, to get his sins to be turned into uh, now built nature to have us connect back to Hashem? So... That was the same in So that's exactly where, where we're going. But understand, okay, good. Meaning, I'm gonna have to explain how that works now. Meachus, good, go good, good. So the main reason why we fall into these sins is because we generally take too much enjoyment from the physicality of this world. So it's kind of an eye for an eye. The concept of din, the concept of judgment demands that if God's a fear God, if God's a just God, 
And if we've went and broken certain things by way of taking too much from Olam Hazet, taking too much from the physicality of this world, let's take, let's take a step, let's take a moment now to think about this. Chazal teach us, you, you know why God gave us taste buds and God gave us hunger, etc.? It says because if we didn't have taste buds and we didn't like food, if we're just eating gray slop like in the Matrix, if it was just terrible, terrible food, Chazal tell us only rabbis would be the ones to survive. Everybody else would just die. Because rabbis know that they're living life to be able to connect to God. And even though I have to eat this terrible slop, I'll just keep on eating it because I want to go and connect to Hashem. So Hashem went and gave us enjoyment for food for one reason. So that we should enjoy what we're taking in, but we should never take advantage of it too much to the point that we forget the purpose of eating. The purpose of eating is so that I have kolchot, so that I put fuel into my engine to be able to go out and do more to connect to God. Because the whole purpose of life, Derech Hashem teaches us, is to get the greatest good possible. God made this world to give the greatest good to humanity. And the greatest good is a relationship with Hashem. And the relationship to Hashem is only going to happen when we follow along the mitzvot. But I need kochot to be able to follow along those mitzvot, hence eating, filling myself up. But if we lose the eye of the prize of eating, and we only stay within, oh, this food is great and this is the end all so then we've lost our path so then we've lost what it is we're trying to do the reason why we wash our hands by the way the reason why we wash our hands I, I, I was years ago I was sitting up in Oxnard I went to uh, what's it called Herzog Tiersor is that the name of the restaurant Herzog in Herzog you said it much better than I did and so in the winery they have that restaurant so my wife and I was our anniversary when I used to come do recruiting for Israel so I came to LA we went over there we're sitting, and there was a non-Jewish lady in the next table over, and she sees me go wash my hands. I sat down afterwards to start my meal. She's like, sir, can I ask you something? I said, sure. She's like, I couldn't help but notice that you went up to go wash your hands, and then you directly ate that bread. Could you please explain that concept to me? So uh, I said to her, uh, don't make me do this, because it's going to take a while. Because I, <laughs> no, I can't say something that's not true. I, 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 I can't just say... Oh, God and God and God. I, no, that, that's not... I, ugh. You know, you, you have to say the realities. I said to her, if you have, if you have 10 minutes right now of your T.O. store time, I will give you the reality of it. Wow. She's like, okay. So I explained to her that. When the Kohanim inside the Beit HaMikdash went to wash their hands, and this is what we do. Halakha tells us you're washing it because the Kohanim washed their hands before they went to go serve inside the Beit HaMikdash by the Mizbeach to put up their karbanot. They went to go and keep themselves pure because you're about to do something so holy as to connect to God therefore you have to put yourself in the correct frame of mind and in the correct physical frame of being in order to go and connect to Hashem every Jew who sits down to a meal has to be reminded that food is not about food food is not the end game food is about a service to Hashem and that's why we call a shulchan domele mizbeach the reason why it's called that our table is like a mezbeh, because all the food that goes on it is as a sacrifice up to God, so we make a connection to God. And if you're about to come to this meal and sit down without some kind of a preface of understanding that this is holy, what I'm about to do is Kedushah, you're not going to get it. And so therefore we go and we wash our hands like the Kohanim to say the same way a Kohen went to the Beit HaMikdash to go and serve, so too I'm about to go in and serve God on my own personal Mizbeah. And that's why we have to get our frame of mind beforehand. That, my friends, is the reason why we have any kind of mitzvot that we go down.
I'm telling you this because a person who goes and starts to take too much physicality from this world is actually breaking purpose. So if a guy goes and decides, I'm going to eat, eat, eat without barachot, with, with, without thanking God. A family doesn't have taharat mishpacha. And a man is with a lady when he's not allowed to be with her. She didn't go to the mikveh. Or, or any of these things that have so much to do with physical lusts. You went and destroyed things in this world. With that giving into physicality, you weren't supposed to use it that way. So justice in Shemayim says to Hashem, the only way that you can allow that destruction to be rebuilt is if you take a negative approach with that person's physicality. Something within that person's physical makeup has to be broken down. Something has to hurt. Now, wait. We're Jews. We're, we are, a, a, we are a, a nation full of lawyers. And if you don't think that we already have it figured out, how to lawyer God to give us forgiveness without hurting us, then you're insane. I mean, <laughs> that's what we do for a living. <laughs> So we already found a loophole. I'm going to tell you the loopholes in a minute. But understand where it comes from. Understand at least where it starts. So number one, the reason why I started out with this gray box, and inside the gray box it says, oh, I know I stole this one. Rabbi Nissel, Rabbi Nachum Nissel, used to give out the yid. So I, I mean, I got it from a different safer also, but the way he starts off, Hishman, actually things like this also. Hashem, in this baracha, I want to beg your forgiveness, hopefully painlessly, but if need be, even with Yisurim, even with pain. And why? So you know what? It's time to grow up. It's time for us to mature a little bit and understand that if I went and I took certain things physically from this world that I shouldn't, if this is God's way of cleaning me up before Olam Haba so that I don't have to suffer in the world to come, so then so be it. Then let it be. And by the way, let's take this a next step. Are you going to be suffering in your life? A lot. Everybody. That's life. That's how it goes. That's who we are. We have pain and suffering. So a good yid will always sit there and say, Kaparat Avonot. Right? That's how we're brought up. And this is the concept. The concept is, is that, Hashem, I know that you have to do this to me. Now, tonight we're going to be going through three reasons why God does it. I only gave you the first one so far. And step one is that Hashem is saying, literally, if you took in this way, now, a lot of people can't stand this thought process. And I'm sorry, but it's childish if you can't. It's just you don't understand what the concept of creation is. You don't understand what the concept of just consequence then you broke something and now there is some kind of uh, uh, yeah a, a, a reparation that has to be made so now the Mirta Melio writes a person needs God to clean us up so that we can get to the level of what we were before we sinned so that we can get back to the purposeful place of where we were before we sinned Keep that Mechta Meleo in mind. Just put it in your back pocket. We're going to need it soon. I need it now, but I need it more later. So now, for God to clean up what it is that we destroyed. So we said we don't want to suffer. So number one, be mature about it. But now number two, I want to read to you a Rebbeinu Yonah. This Rebbeinu Yonah, this Rebbeinu Yonah is in um, Sharei Teshuvah. This is in Sharei a lot of people always online always ask me where. Sharivi, and this is um, in Ot Yud Aleph. Okay. Avar Adam al Kritut Mitut Bet Din Vaasat Shuvah. Somebody who did very heavy Averot. Kritut. 
Karetz. A person had relations with a lady when she was in Nida. A person ate on Yom Kippur. We're talking about heavy ones. Or mitat betin. A person broke Shabbat willingly. Because God does not allow these kind of sins to go away without Yisurin, without being pained. Based on the Gemara, the Teshuvah is waiting until the Yisurin come and clean you out. Like we explained, you can return to God as much as you want, but if there's a destructive nature in the reality of existence and the fibers of the world that God created because of what you did, I'm sorry, but only Teshuvah's Yisurin aspect, only the painful aspect can go and be the brick and mortar to go and build that back. Libo, so he says, I got something for you. Yachin Libo, prepare your heart, la'asot mitzvot ha'miginot mina Yisurin. Start to do specific mitzvot that are shields against pain. Kamo mitzvat hatzidaka. Kihi matzelet gamen amavet. Shinemot ustaka tatzum yamavet. Start to give tzidaka and have a mind. Have, have a mind what? Have a mind, Hashem. Instead of you having to hurt me. So I just gave some of my physical away. Some of the physical, I could, I could have bought a donut or I could have bought a car. I mean, it depends how much money it is that you can give. But ultimately say, instead of you coming and giving me that physical breakdown or hurt, so I'm now doing it by way of mitzvah and that shields you from the hurt. But say a little bit better, that now says that God is saying, I don't have to do it. Justice, God can turn back to Din and say, he's already made good on his need for Yisurin by giving that mitzvah. And he says, look, if you don't have money, if you don't have money, no problem. At least make an ani feel good, talk to others, help him fundraise from others. Just again, embarrass yourself. It's very embarrassing going around and asking people, but embarrass yourself a little bit or put yourself out there for the ani a little bit. Helping out people, like the rabbis say, and he brings it. And again, he says, uh, yada, yada. Uh, He also says, Oh, I really like this one. Oh, no, I, I, I thought I was reading the right line. He brings down over here also. Going to visit people who are sick. That takes a lot out of a person. Being involved in burial. Going to be And to go dance in front of a chatan All these different things. Basically, you're taking out time that you could say it's for others to do. But no, no, no. If you go and do that, so now, so, so now you are now breaking in with your physicality. This is annoying a little bit to go out to that person's house, to go be Menachem Abel, etc. But now he comes with the big guns and he says, everything I told you now, that's like basically putting aspirin on a wound or whatever. You know, it, it's, it's, it's good, but there's something so much better. He says, but then he says that the one that is and the one that is bigger than all of them, somebody learns Torah, if somebody learns Torah for the sake of connecting to God, so then that is the biggest one to 
be your shield from pain. And he starts to bring Kenyan Torah, Nikra Kenyan Emet, yada yada. Now he gives you the advice. How should you go about it? He says, how do you go about it? The way you should do it is, a person needs to do it by upping his connection to his Torah learning and upping his devotion to his Torah learning. The Gemara says, if a person had done a sin that should have been karet, that should have taken away years of his life, karet means that a person dies at, uh, before his years, 50, uh, before 60. If a person did that kind of a sin in his life, the person can turn to heaven and say, Tishma, you're supposed to be taking away years and years of my life because of that sin. I'm giving you a karban of an hour a day. I would only really learn a half hour a day. But you know what? From now on, I'm learning an hour and a half a day. And let each of those hours be a karban to all the years that you are going to take away from me. And this works. How do I know that this works? Because of what you said. What was the first karban in history? Uh, the first karban that was commanded in history. Commanded. That Hashem said, right. So Hashem told Avram, go bring me Yitzchak, right? Go and bring me Yitzchak. And we all know what happened at the end. Hashem said, oh no, I never wanted Yitzchak. There's an ayel bezvach. There's that ram inside the, inside the bushes over there. Go bring that. And Avram said, what? How in the world is this possibly? You wanted my son. How? And Hashem said, no, no, no. So this is a thing. Okay? It's called a karban. And this is how it works. <laughs> you can just take that animal over there and you can slice its neck and you can say that should have been my neck. You can grab its blood and you say it should have been my blood. Put it on the mezbeach and hooray. And, and Avram's like, are you kidding? Is there somebody else up there I can talk to? <laughs> is this true? <laughs> is this, how's, how's this possible? But Hashem said to him, no, no, this is how karbanot Work. The word karban means to get closer to God. And sure enough, throughout history, we find that the Torah says, Hashem told us, if a person did something that should have been a much bigger punishment, in truth, it should have been your life. But instead, I will take something in lieu of that payment. So now, we know that the Navi tells us that Hashem doesn't need the animals. David HaMelech writes in Te'elim. Uh, well, but the Reach Nichoach. In Yiddish, that means Shmek Fargenegan. What is the Shmek Fargenegan? What is the smell? What is this Reach Tashem? You're right. What is this Reach? The Reach Tashem is. So David Amelach wrote Nunalif and Tilim. He said, You don't want Parim. You don't want animals. You don't want Olot. What do you want? Lev Nishbar. What a broken heart. That's what you want. Right? We say that in the place of the Parim is Sifatenu. In the place of our animals is our lips. You want a broken heart? You want us to pray to you. You want us to just say, I want to come back to you. And when a person does that, incredibly, a person has to give something as sacrifice. And so it's saying, give hours of Torah as sacrifice. Hours that you would have learned and you didn't. You, never, well, you know what? Start to give it a little bit. Each, if it's five minutes, it's five minutes. 
or if it's tzedakah, if it's something there that Rabbeinu Yonah, the, this is a Rishon, it's not a lightweight. Rabbeinu Yonah writes, in the place of the Yisurim, in the place of getting hurt by God. And remember, that's the only brick and mortar possible to build, to repair that destruction that doesn't allow us to have the Vav, that connection to God. And this is how we repair it. The angels told us this. From that embarrassment of Yehuda, that's what makes the Vav as a connector. How long have we been going at this? Because we may have to do this again in two nights. Uh, I, yeah, you guys, I, I, guys we, ha- we have at least another 20 minutes of this. If everybody's good to continue, I'll, I, I would much rather finish off for tonight. Yeah, okay, so let's keep on going. And we're not lucky enough to have Paraduma. So, so uh, here we go. So now... So, like we learned, in the last Baruch of Teshuvah, we returned to God. But unfortunately, from those Averot that we did, that is leaving this yawning abyss of broken, destructive fiber of reality that we created with our sin. And with that, how? How do we do the Vav? How do we make the Chibur? How do we make the connection? Sacrifice. Either God's going to do it or you're going to do it, but somebody has to. So, I don't know where everybody's holding, <laughs> you know, in their learning, I'm not sure. But incredibly, though, one of the greatest aspects is if a person starts to put a little bit more of their learning Torah or a little bit more tzedakah or a little bit more doing chesed to other people, you can start to say, Hashem, let this be the bricks and mortar to go and build back whatever sins that I may have done that destroyed reality. Now, guys, I'm only giving you half the story. Tonight, I want to go through the whole thing. This is, I can't tell you how many years of research this next part, I mean the first part, but this next part really went into. So Hashem, please give me the clarity. Uh, give me the right words. Okay. Let's go one more step now into why suffering is a reality. The Gemara in Erechen tells us something fascinating. What are Yisurim? What is, what is this thing of God sending some kind of punishment or chastising us, hurting us? What is that? The Gemara says, if you wanted to take three coins out of your pocket and you only took out two, and now you actually have to schlep back into your pocket and take out another coin, that's already Yisurim. That's already God punishing you physically. Doesn't seem so bad. Doesn't seem so bad. And and it goes through a couple of things that aren't so significant, and yet it's called God um, kind of punishing you. So what kind of punishment is that? Let's go a step further. A very scary aspect. That Gemara ends off with a crazy, crazy wording. It says... And anybody who doesn't have Yisurim in 40 days, you can die. Kona lo olamo. You have now acquired your world. What does that mean? That means that if 40 days go by and literally nothing, nothing happened to you, and everything was just swimmingly passing by, congratulations. God has paid you everything that you were supposed to get in Olam Haba in this world, and it's a really, really bad sign. So, step one. People who are jealous of people whose life are going by swimmingly. I am petrified of that. I am absolutely petrified of that. Let me tell you why. You ever see that spoiled kid? Really spoiled, spoiled kid. Son of a rich guy and the kid doesn't know anything about consequence. The kid just drives right through red lights, left and right. And every time he gets pulled over by a cop, his dad just pays the best lawyers to get him off. The kid is caught doing cocaine or heroin. And the father just pays the best lawyers to get him off. And just constantly, constantly... So imagine a mashal. This, this, I see everybody starting to hate this kid. Uh, I'm, you're hating somebody that, that never happened. I'm just making this up right now. Okay? I hate the father. Yeah, you hate the father. Okay. So, <laughs> so Lama said, what if one day the kid finally did it? The kid was driving drunk. 
and he hit somebody and killed him. So the police come, they pull him over, and the father goes to his child in jail. The father says to him, look, you finally did it, and I begged you to get help, and I tried to, the best therapist and the best everything, and I tried, to, I tried everything, and nothing, and nothing. You still, you can't. So the kid's like, well, Dad, you're going to walk away and just have me rotten in prison? So the father said, look, you're my son. And knowing that I have a son who's rotting in prison the rest of his life, I can't. You know, I, I still love you. You're still my son. So I'm going to be paying all those hotshot lawyers one more time. I'm sure they'll be able to figure a way to get you off. And after they do, here, here's my credit card. It's endless. It's an infinite credit card. It's an Amex Black. You know, you can just put as much as you want. And here's the deed to an island. And here's a one-way ticket to that island. I want you to go there. I want you to live out the rest of your life. There's, there's a mansion there. There's comfort. There's women. There's booze. There's drugs. There's everything that you can possibly want over there. I just don't want to ever see you again. If you see somebody here with a nice, big, beautiful house, and he has all the cars in the world, and everything is swimmingly beautiful for him, and the guy just completely openly hates God, and shows a path where he's done with God, and that he just has no interest or inkling, and that God's holy dollar is the only thing that he really says in God we trust, but everything else he could care less than just know. Hashem at one point or another said, and the way that a person wants to go, God will allow him to go that way. And if this person chose this world, if this person literally was moronic enough to choose the physical in this world, so then God says, all right, here's my unlimited credit card. Here's your big, beautiful house in Beverly Hills. Here's your all of your, and everything is going to be a man, parties and, and, and honor and everything. But I don't want to ever have anything to do with you again. Kona lo olamo. He got his entire world. Just last week, I gave a class, and afterwards, a guy came over to me, and uh, he's like, Rabbi, can I talk to you? And so I always do this. I'm like, look, you know, until it was a long day. I said, could you tell me the idea of what you want to talk about, and then we'll make up a time on the phone. He's like, no, I really, really have to talk. I'm really... I said, what? I saw the guy was broken. He's like, all my relatives and everything, they keep on yelling at me, why do I care about anything about religion? All I should be doing is working and making a lot of money because they say to me, look at us. We have money and that's all you need. You don't need to be religious. You don't need anything else. You literally just need to have a beautiful house. You need to have girls and you need to have just everything that you want because there's nothing after this. I mean, literally, I couldn't write the script better. Those are the words that came out of this guy's mouth. And I said to him, yesh kolna olamo. There are people who get it. In 40 days, you know, it's, 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 it's petrifying. It's, now, guys, by the way, it's not exactly 40 days, I should point out. The number 40, the Maral explains to us, is the number, um, how many days does it take for a lady to have a baby form in her stomach that it's considered now uh, a, 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 a baby? But it's considered a baby that you, you're not allowed to do it. So it's 40 days. And that's what it is. It took the world 40 days and 40 nights of the Mabul to destroy the world, to, 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 to change our Moshe Rabbeinu up in heaven, right? The concept of 40, what the, the common denominator is, a brand new reality. 40 is the number of a brand new reality. A baby's a brand new reality. The world was completely changed by the Mabul, brand new, Moshe Rabbeinu getting the Torah, brand new reality in the world. The Torah is here. So what it means is, is that if a person has 40 days that pass, what that really means is if a person literally created himself a brand new reality that there is no God. Now, is there Teshuvah from that? Well, guys, now you know. I mean, the Teshuvah is all that physical that you took. There's an equal and just reaction. 
I'm petrified of that. You know, I'm like, like you know, of, of, what, of course it's a teshuvah. We say that teshuvah is always open. But ultimately though, Hashem is saying, I'm giving this person his olam. I'm giving this person everything that he should have gotten in olam haba. I'm giving to him now. It's petrifying. So we so, believe that God gives up. Huh? Meaning, it's not that God gave up. It's that, and I know I made it sound like God gave up. I'm happy you pointed that out. It's that this person wants it this way. Okay, and the way the person wants it, now, one second. How did God just let him slip through your fingers, right? How'd you let this guy slip through? And that's where putting your hand into your pocket and taking out the wrong change comes into play. Says Yitzhak Berkowitz, says my Rebbe in the book, Six Constant Mitzvahs. Life is actually supposed to be perfect. Can you believe that? Everyone says, no, life is not. No, no, to tell you the truth, if we were literally perfect in our lives, life would actually be perfect from God. Everything would run swimmingly. Except the women. Like Adam. No, but like Adam before his sin. You had the food growing from the trees. You know, I mean, everything. And in Parsha Bechukotai, God says, right? And you do them. What, what, what does Hashem say? I mean, you get everything, everything is great. I'm saying everything, everything is great. So life is actually supposed to go along swimmingly. So then why does God send something bad? It's because God is saying, hello, you're not going down the path of your purpose. You're not connecting in the way that you're meant to be connecting. Like we explained before, you're using food for the sake of food without using it as a springboard to use it as a connection to God. You're not using relations with your wife in a way of a connection to God. You're using it in a way that was never meant to be. You're not using Shabbat in that certain way because you're breaking it constantly. And so God is going to say, I need to wake him up. But I love him. I don't want to break him. So I'm going to start. The guy puts his hand in his pocket. He comes with the wrong change. You're supposed to stop and say, huh, Hashem is everything. Hashem runs the world. Why does Hashem just do that to me? What do I have to fix? Literally, a person's supposed to live life like that. If stuff aren't going your way, you're supposed to stop at a moment and say, what's God trying to tell me? All of a sudden, there's a dent in your car. All of a sudden, you break your leg. And then it keeps on building and building. And that's God literally yelling and screaming and saying, I want to give you a perfect life. And if I have to do these things, it's because I need to wake you up. So step two in why people suffer. Step one in suffering we saw at the beginning of this is to clean us up. Meaning, it could be that that happened simply to clean you up. You did Teshuvah, now you want that connection to God, clean you up, step one. Step two is, it may not just be to clean up. It may be because God is saying, I need to wake you up, wake up. That's gone too. Now, I'm, I'm thinking I should say this next story. What the heck? All right, here we go. I'm going to say a story now that I'm going to get a barrage of angry emails. So, you all know that I was sick with cancer once or twice. And... Um, I went to a very big Mikuba. I went to a very, very big Kabbalist. And I sat down with him. And um, when I had gotten sick initially, I wanted a blessing and I wanted to know what to do. So um, it's not that I recommend going to Kabbalist. I'm just saying that when you're in such a dire situation, you know, nothing wrong with Kabbalist, but you have to know that you're going to the right ones. So we sat down. I was doing with my older brother, Rabbi Duvi. We went together. And this guy gave a look at my name and gave a look at me and he started to tell me stuff. In fifth grade, you were hit by a car. And you hurt your leg. Now, that's exactly true. Meaning, he wasn't like, he was like, I see a J in your life. J, I'm getting James. Jim, is it Jim? Is it a dog? So I see fur. Was, was Jim Heary? Right? Now, he wasn't doing that. He was like, you got hit by a car and you're like broke when you're 10 years old. <laughs> you know, those words came out of his I'm like, ah! Google. And, and, well, Google. So he's like, should I keep on going? And I said, I, I, don't, I don't know. And he started to say others. I'm like, well, stop, Dovi, please leave. 
you know, I, this is embarrassing. And he started to say certain things, you know, I'm, I'm not, the only one I am not so innocent. Let's just put it that way. Certain things I've done in my life. And he said to me, I'm looking in your name and I'm looking in the reality of who you are and to tell the truth, it doesn't seem that within your name that there ever should have been a sickness, that you should ever have gotten sick. But in Shomayim, they tried to wake you up many times from the certain sins that you were doing. And he went another step and he said, and in Shomayim, I want to let you know they have big plans for you. They expect great things from you. And you can't be allowed to have that greatness unless you go through a process. So number one, they're waking you up with this. And number two, they're cleaning you out with this. Incredible thing. Some people get offended. I loved every second of that. No, because it gave purpose to the sickness. And it demanded so much more of me. So Baruch Hashem. But in such a stark run out, okay, so the hate email is going to come. My mother passed away from this. And I don't know. I don't know. I'm not a Navi. I'm not a prophet. I don't know what to tell you. But I could say, life is lived so much more meaningful when you find meaning and purpose. Sorry. You know, that's just the reality. You could hate Hashem for it. You know, we could. But, but who gains? You know, how do, we, how do we get anything from that? You know, when we walk around saying, God made me sick or God killed that person, and yeah, it's terrible. But to say, now God owes you. You know, you did nothing to earn life. Did anybody in this room stand in front of God before we were born and say, you have to give me life? No. He gave it to you. He gave it to you. It's a gift. Who are you to tell him how long that gift is around for? And that gift was given to you specifically to do something. And if you're using it in the incorrect fashion, he's going to wake you up until you recognize what it is that I'm supposed to be doing with it. So when it goes like this now, a person has to understand that suffering that comes, number one, it cleans up and it's a brick and mortar to make a connection. And number two, I need to wake up. I need, I need to wake up. Forgive us, our Father, because we've sinned. Now, what does this mean? So number one, you can only ask for forgiveness after you know what you did wrong. You see, after you did Teshuvan, the last Baracha, now you can finally say, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. I, right? If you've ever spoken to anybody who's been addicted to any kind of substance, any kind of substance abuse person, druggy, so they will tell you that um, while they were in it, or if they were only clean for a week or a month or uh, whatever, a, a few months, they would go back and they would say to their mom and dad, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. You give it a year. And now they're really out of it. They look back at their life and they see, I mean, I remember once I had to go to uh, a place in, in Israel, which was basically a crack house, to go get a student of mine who was addicted to I can't tell you what. And I had to walk through that place. And I finally found him on a bed, just completely gone. And there was a urine on him and all over. And just all over the place. It was disgusting. I pulled him out. It's a long story. I had to get him some help. Ultimately, though, if I, sh- I should have taken a snapshot of him then. Because now, Baruch Hashem, he's clean. He's married. Um, and, and if I would have taken a snapshot then of him and showed it to him a month later. said, this was you. I'm like, oh, I can't believe I was so messed up. <laughs> Oh my God, Rabbi, what is that? I mean, that's your urine in your face. 
How'd you even, how'd you even accomplish gravity? How'd you even do that? That's not even possible. But it was all over you. So a month later, I'm like, oh, I can't believe it. If I would show it to him now, a few years later, he would cry. How was I ever that pathetic? Ah, and he'll start to think, I stole money from my friends. Rabbi, how much I hurt from you and how much, and he'll cry through it. You can only ask forgiveness when you recognize what kind of a monster you are, what kind of a destructive nature you brought. You have no right to say to God, I'm sorry for breaking Shabbat until you first do Teshuvah and you recognize the reality of Shabbat. Once you know, once you did Teshuvah and the Barachah before this, you now live Fanecha, you're before God, and you see the reality of everything of what Hashem is, and you start to learn the reality of, let's say, Shabbat. And then like, and I broke that. Just today I was in Eula, I, I did a lunch with the 11th grade, and we started to go through Shabbat. The reality of it. The kids were blown away. It was just like, they're like, more, more, we need to know, we need to hear this. We'll give a Shabbat class. It's, and then you and, and I did that, and I broke that. <laughs> and, and then you literally start feeling like, I can't believe I was ever, as opposed to, I, I broke Shema. It's, it's just, you have to do Teshuvah first, a real Teshuvah, and then finally, Slach Lanu Avinu Kichatanu. Now, what is Slach Lanu Avinu? What, what does that mean? What is Slach Lanu? So, Chatanu. So, number one, we say Chatanu, forgive us because we've sinned. Why don't we say slachli? So we say chatanu because you got to play this safe. Um, the last, last week's parasha talks about um, when the Jews were being counted. So we counted them with half a shackle. Why don't we just go one, two, three, four? And we know, don't, you know whatever you do, God said that. don't count the Jews. You know, God forbid somebody, and it's so funny because I've been with so many irreligious uh, students of mine throughout, throughout. And like, you know, if we ever did a lineup by like the bus in Israel, like, all right, guys, let's see. Well, how many guys? I'm one, two. I, you know, my most irreligious kids are like, ah, what are you doing? What are you doing? Because, you know, when they were, in, when they were on their NCSY whatever trip, you know, like, they always knew. You never got, why don't you count Jews? You know, what's the reason behind it? So, no, it's a very good reason. The reason says the Maral, the reason why behind it is because the Jews survive as a people, as a totality. If I should ever point to one person and say one, two, and look at that person as an individual for just a moment, I'm saying you are standing on your own two feet, and then there's a judgment on that person because, oh, you think you can stand on your own two feet. We don't ever even count a person as an individual. It goes so far, the Gemara Nedarim says, says that if a person makes a nether, I won't eat apples. Know what happens? In heaven, they're like, oh, this guy... 613 mitzvot isn't enough for this guy. He needs 614. He thinks he's a big tzaddik, that he's also not going to eat apples. He must be a tzaddik. They judge him. The Gemara says they open up the books and they judge him on the spot. Let's see what kind of a tzaddik he really is. And if this guy is not a tzaddik in their thing, it says they, they, they mess up your insides. Literally, it says what happens. It messes up your insides. A whole, whole crazy thing. Dr. Shaw will get a lot of uh, patients from people who make nidarim. I mean, mamash, that's what it says. And the reason why is because you think you can stand on your own. So when you say slach li, you're kind of saying what I've done, the destructive, whoa. You want to kind of be within the quorum. And that's why we daven with the minyan too. You want to get your tefillot within everybody else because just alone, your tefillot may not be strong enough because your merit may not be strong enough, but the merit of the minyan is so much stronger. So slach lanu avinu ki chatanu. Now, what is chatanu? What is chatanu? 
So chatanu means sin by mistake, but it's something so much deeper. Okay, says Rav Berkowitz. Chet means you're lacking. Chet means that there's something that's not there. That's literally what the word chet means. Meaning, the reason why we translate it as by mistake is because I was lacking knowledge and that's why I did this thing. If a person thinks it's Sunday and he wakes up and he goes and he, he turns on his fire and so he's like, oh my God, it's Shabbat. Oh no, I, that was a mistake. Really what that means is I was lacking some integral information. I, I thought today was Sunday. A chet, and you bring a karban chata'at literally for those things where you are lacking some kind of an information. Chet means lacking. Slach lanu avinu, forgive us as a father. A father can forgive very easily. Ki chatanu, because I was lacking. What does this mean? So, the first step of forgiveness that we're asking is, you did it without purpose. is that, no, no, it goes much deeper. It's that even though you can't blame me, I still need forgiveness. Let me explain. I remember when my twin boys were about three years old, Avraham came running in. I was in the living room in my house mm-hmm. in Israel. It's a tiny little house, so it's not like... But he came running over and he's like, Abba, Abba, Kiva has the spray. I'm like, no, not again. Akiva, he's the nutcase. So Kuz, he, uh, no matter where I would put the Windex, no matter where, I could put it under lock and key. Everybody knows, it's like on the roof. And somehow or other, he's like, dun, 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 da, 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 da. he just breaks in there and he gets the Windex. Now, I come into the kitchen and this is what I see. He's busy spraying God knows how much Windex into his cereal. <laughs> he's like, you know, I, I, I got so much to do today. And I'm like, ah! Now, Baruch Hashem, I gotta grab the cereal, pour it down the sink. Okay. What if Chasvishalam Lo Aleinu, I wasn't there at that moment, and he would have eaten it? So what would have happened? Uh, Doc, what would have happened? Windex. I mean, you know, I, I don't know what's in that stuff. God knows what's in Windex. But, 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 you know, it, it, it would have really, you know, Chasvishalam hurt the child. And, and a doctor, now, can I blame him? No. He's three years old. He has no idea what it is. But even though I can't blame him, is there a consequence? Yes, he now hurt his stomach from doing that. He was chet. He was lacking integral information, but all because you're lacking integral information doesn't mean that there wasn't a destructive consequence to the situation. Even if you never knew what borer is on Shabbat, borer means separating. Even if you didn't know what borer was on Shabbat, so, can God blame you for not knowing what Boer was on Shabbat? Well, the- theoretically not. I mean, if you should have known. But somebody who just became religious, and he just found out there's something called Boer. He's like, oh my God, I'm 40 years old, and for 40 years I never knew what Boer was. So, can God blame the person? No, you weren't religious. But did this guy destroy worlds between himself and God? He absolutely did, because whenever a Jew goes, and, not, and, not, and a non-Jew goes to do things that are against the Torah, whether or not you knew makes absolutely no difference. There's still a destructive consequence, because there's a reality to our actions of what we do. Forgive me like a father for those things that I've destroyed without knowing, without being on the level of knowledge, of having no idea of that's what it was. And that you can get forgiven easily. But now it goes, Chatanu goes a little bit further. Uh, but, uh, one second. Uh, good. One second. But it goes a little bit deeper. This next one you could be blamed for a little bit. In Chat. Hashem, forgive me because I'm lacking. 
How many weeks are in a year? 52. Okay. If you would take 39 weeks and you would decide, I'm going to learn each of the 39 melachot of Shabbat each week. Do you know that at the end of 39 weeks, that's three quarters of a year. Do you know? Does that, does that sound right? Okay. Just about, give or take. But <laughs> you would know all of Hilchot Shabbat. So why don't you? Why don't I? And the answer is we're lacking. Hashem, forgive all of us that I'm not holding where it is that I could be holding. I could be holding so much bigger. I could be holding in a place where I know so much more. My mind is is a vast, vast place of garbage being shoved in there. And if only I had spent more time deciding to go after the knowledge of God. Forgive me, Hashem, I should be so much bigger. And that's why I did all these things without knowing. Please forgive me in my lacking of being great. That's also a part of it. And Hashem allows that to go as well. And Hashem says, as long as you recognize that, I'm going to go and I'm going to forgive that. Now, that is all... That is all the beginning aspect of this thing of Chatanu. Meaning... The point of free will goes like this. There's something called Nikudat HaBechira that... Uh, the Mechtav Melio talks about. The Kudat Bechira means that everybody has a point of free will. What does that mean, a point of free will? That means that there are certain things that are beneath you and certain things that are above you, and both of those you don't get punished or credit for. Let me explain. If, let's say, Dr. Shea came up to me, and he said to me, Rabbi, you should know, I, I, um, I went through a hard test today. It was really difficult, and I want to let you know I passed. And I want to tell you, I, I, I got to tell somebody, my parents tell my wife, but I, I want to tell you. So, okay, I'm going to tell you now. Rabbi, <laughs> So what happened? Like, well, I was standing in front of a 7-Eleven and a van drove up. A couple of guys jumped out of the van. They all had ski masks and they all had AK-47 rifles. They walked up and they said to me, hey, we're about to go rob the 7-Eleven, although they don't have larger than 20s inside there. (laughs) But we're about to go rob the 7-Eleven. Come with us. And you know what, Ramai? I decided, nope, not going to do it. Not going to do that today. And I walked away. And the doc drops the mic. Does he get any credit for that? Of course not. Why not? I mean, it's a mate. You walked away. And the answer is, of course you walked away. <laughs> You're not some kind of crazy uh, stick-up robber guy. It's just not... So nobody's giving you credit for things that are beneath your free will. You didn't have to exercise choice to tell them, I'm not going in there with you to go rob that store. It's just, so you don't get anything. You don't get any payment for things that are beneath you. Now, what about things above you? Do you know that there's something called Tikkun Chatzot? That means it's one of the first halachot in Shulchan Aruch. You're supposed to sit on the floor every single night, put ashes down your head, and cry bitterly over the destruction of Jerusalem every single night. Say Tikkun Rachel, Tikkun Leah. Who here does that? I'm not raising my hand either, right? Father. So, oh, If that's a Jew. So I'm saying, so the tzaddikim, the, 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 the big people of the generation, I'm not holding there yet. So if Chas Shalom, somebody would pass away now and go up to Shemayim, and God would say to him, how come you have the tikkun chatzot? Would God have the right to say that to the person? No. And the answer is because the guy would be like, tikkun what? I, I wasn't holding there. I, I just, that was above my pay grade. So you're not expected to do things above, and you're not going to get any reward for things beneath. 
Where are you? You're by your point of free will. What is your point of free will? Everybody has a different one. Students in Israel last year, their point of free will was always, should I put on tefillin today? Should I not put on tefillin today? And that's a battle. Yeah, no, yeah, no. So for everybody, their point of free will is always something else. Our job in life is to be building our point of free will higher and higher. There is no ceiling to say, all right, that's it, I'm in the highest. No, no, no. Bikesh Yaakov Lesha Beshava, the Pasuk says that Yaakov, Yeshav Yaakov, Yaakov wanted to rest. And what does Rashi say? Too bad. You can't rest. You're at Sadiq. God's going to challenge you more. Meaning that in your point of free will, see, let's say my point of free will. I don't know where my point, I'm, no, I know exactly where my point of free will is, and I'm not going to tell you people. But let's just say, I, my Rebbe Rev Berkowitz, his point of free will at this point, I imagine is should he sleep two hours a night or four hours a night? Honestly, I mean, that, that's, uh, I don't know, but it demands up the whole night because the whole world drives him crazy. And he has hundreds and hundreds of students around the globe who all of them have their own communities and all of them have a bat phone to call just in case. So he's getting calls from his students all day. Just, hi, Rebbe, um, I have a, a student of mine, a mother just turned to a vegetable and they want to pull the plug on her and what do I do? Hi, Rebbe, um, I have a student of mine who I finally convinced to come to my house for Shabbat and he's going to be coming on his motorcycle. Am I allowed to invite him to be able to come? Hi, Rebbe, I finally had the um, person who's been giving us so much money but he's not religious and he's the one who solely supports my entire synagogue and he just invited me over for lunch with my wife and I and I know everything in his house is not kosher but if I don't show up there or if I show up there and I don't eat, He's going to be very offended. What do I do? Hi, Rebbe. Hi, Rebbe. Hi, Rebbe. Hi, Rebbe. All day. <laughs> and that, by the way, is the easiest part of his job. He has all of Israel driving him nuts. And he has all of America post him driving him nuts. And they just ask him to take over. Asia Torah and then all day. So now, where is he holding? He's holding in the place of, am I going another night without sleep? <laughs> or am I going to allow myself to steal away three hours just so that I don't die? Right? So, so I'm saying, but, but that's where he's holding. Where is your point of free will? But it doesn't end, meaning there's something above that, which is eventually get to Reb Chaim Kanievsky's point of free will of, should I learn Kolat Torah Kula once this year or should I go for the hat trick this year and try to do Kolat Torah Kula three times this year, right? Like no matter what, you can keep on going higher and higher. And what we're saying we're sorry for is my point of free will should be higher because I could have done so much more. Everybody could have done so much more. There's no end to it. So even Reb Chaim Kanievsky says, Slach Lanu, even the Baba Sali says, Slach Lanu, because I am lacking, I could have been bigger, and I could be bigger. And that part of that is now building the connection to God. Because like the Mechtam said, the only way that you get to your level of before you sin, meaning the only way you get to your level of becoming that great is you need God to clean you. So what you're saying with this is, is Hashem, clean me, Slach means completely clean because I need to jump levels. I don't want to be chet. I don't want to be lacking anymore. By being in the same level, I'm getting there now with Pashanu. So now, what is Poshaya? Poshaya, so we say that pardon us because you're our king. A king pardons, but he remembers. So this pardon is good, but it's not as clean as slicha. It's only mechila. Now, what is that? What is poshea? Kipashanu. What is that? So everyone says, oh, it's stuff he did on purpose. That's for a fourth grade level understanding. It's much deeper. It's about time. You know, we, we really... Pshia means negligence, right? A poshea is somebody who's negligent. What does that mean? So 
The negligence over here that we're talking about is, is that a person can go down in his level of point of free will. Let's say you're holding by praying with minyan or not. Let's just say. And the guy starts missing minyan a lot. The first few times, should I go, shouldn't I go, shouldn't But after a while, that's it. He's not even bothered anymore. And then what we call hergel, it becomes so usual, and he even starts to say excuses why it's good that he didn't go. And guess what he just did? He just went from this level of free will down. You were negligent with your choice. You should have been building. And now you were negligent and you allowed your point of free will to sink. Pardon me, Hashem, for doing such a thing. And I've seen some of my students over the course of the year that they would come and literally their point of free will, things that bother them initially, that's it, from non-kosher to breaking Shabbat. You know, every kid who I, who I would speak to and they would tell me, they would tell me about the first time that they broke Shabbat. If they grew up in a religious home and they would tell me, they, could, they were in shock. And all of them, by the way, is the same thing. It used to be that kids would break Shabbat to smoke cigarettes. That's not it anymore. It's always now about the cell phone. Yeah, yeah. And so they would tell me, they would know that a lot of their friends are already texting on Shabbat. And they would see their phone do like, you know, like, you know, and they're just looking at it. Wow. Like, no, no, I'm not going to. It's nine o'clock at night on Friday night. You know, the meal was over already. And the kids would tell me, I would sit there and one Shabbat, two Shabbat, but after a while, you know, I can, my elbow, I can knock it down and just look at the Message. yeah messages. And eventually, it's just a button. I'll press it with my nose, you know, my teeth. You know, and, and, and hey, let's face it, now on, if you have an iPhone uh, 10 and up, and actually, you know, then it's facial recognition. I didn't even do anything. You know, I, I just sat there. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a good one, right? So, yeah, the, the, I'm not giving a hat there um, for facial recognition on Shabbat. Okay. <laughs> All these little kids are like, well, Rabbi Metushan, thank you. <laughs> um, and the kid, you know, and so he told me like the first Shabbat, oh, I, I, the kid cried, cried. I'm never doing it again, up until next week. Mm-hmm. And then after a while, he's the one starting the texting. Hey, everybody, where is everybody? What happened? Hergel. Got used to it. Yeah, got used to it. And now, he used to have the choice of, should I pick up my phone? Shouldn't I pick up my phone? But now... He's not even there anymore, and he was negligent with his God-given gift of free will. And when a person goes down, I'm yelling to Hashem, I want to build back Havod Shemayim. I was negligent, I recognize that I was negligent, and I want to build it back to you, I want to come back to you. And there's only one way at this point, what are the next words? What are the next words that we don't say in the Gimel? The next words in the Pasuk is But cleaning up a person? God does not completely clean. Now, the Mechdom just said before, God does clean. What does that mean? It has to come from you. You have to show God, I want to be cleaned. I need to bounce up my level of free will. I'm disgusted by the fact that I was negligent with certain things and now I don't even feel them anymore. Of course this baracha means that I'm sorry for things I did on purpose. Of course that's what it means. But guys, the very famous question, why do we say this baracha three times a day? My students always bother. Why do we say this three times? I said I'm sorry for it. That's it. Should I be afraid? You tell me I'm forgiven. He says, no, 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 no. Each time you say this, it's a cheshbon hanefesh. Each time you say this, a person wants to stop and think, where, where am I holding? Where am I holding in my 
Where am I holding in the things of what I could be bigger in? And where am I holding in where I was negligent that I have to build back to that? And a person, every day, every day we're making choices. You should think about those choices by shacharit. What am I going to do today to get myself up? By mincha, what did I do today that now I have to keep myself? And by arvit, what was my entire day and what will be my future? To keep on going with that. And you're supposed to write it down in your book. Write it down. Where are you? And build and build higher and build higher. Build more. You can finish books. You can finish svarim. You can finish shas. You can give chesed. You can give tzedakah. You can change this community. You can do so much. You can do so much. But people don't demand of themselves. Why don't they demand? Because I'm okay. Says this Baracha, you're not okay. No, you're not. You're not okay. I'm lacking and I want to build up higher. And those things I was negligent in, I want to build those things up too. And when a person finally gets to that recognition, what are the last words of this Baracha? Because Kel, we have inside the Yud Gimel Midot Kel. Right? What do we say? We say that Hashem, Hashem, Kel Rachum V'Chanon. What is the aspect of Kel? So, but uh, I'm saying you know, not in God's name, right? Aleph Lamed. Thank you. What is that aspect? So the Svarim bring, if I remember correctly, Rav Berkowitz brought this from Rav Hirsch, who says that when the Jews sinned by the golden calf, they said we want to build the Bet Hamikdash, we want to build the Mishkan, the Tabernacle. We want to go and build that to go and connect back to God. So Moshe, okay, God, what's what do we need? What's the material? So God told them about a lot of gold. And they were like, yeah, about that. <laughs> we, we used it all for the golden calf. The Midrash brings that God went and showered gold on top of them from heaven. So that they can go and take that and build it. Meaning, when a person shows Hashem, I want to come back. Hashem not only will accept you, Hashem will give you the ability and give you the chomer, give you all of the material that you need to be able to stop being negligent, to be able to build up higher. Ki kel, because you are, the God kel is a, a chesed of giving and you're going to give me the ability to come up more. Tov, completely good. Tov means that God, everything you give me is good, even if it seems bad. That's why I wrote that over there inside the thing. Even when everything is coming at me, but now I know it's a challenge for one of three things. Either step one, it's a challenge to clean me up because I have pain that I have to go through, or it's to wake me up, or the last one now, what is the third reason why Hashem would go and send any of this pain? It's because he loves you. He's challenging you to be greater. Meaning, if a person decides, I want to be great. I want to be great. Okay, so, so what do you want to do? I want to change this community. I want to give so much more. I want to, okay. The only way you're going to do that is you have to jump through 12 hoops to start to care for people. So you know what? I'm going to introduce an old person into your life who's going to nag you. Come help me. Your neighbor, all of a sudden an old person will move in and call you at all times of night and day. Come help me. My bathroom isn't working. Could you come change my uh, shoes? Can I, no, no. Why? Well, Hashem, what does this person want from me? Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you wanted to care for Klai Yisrael. So you can start to care for one person. And let's see you get past that. The third aspect of pain is God has challenged you to be great. Greatness is only ever found on the other side of a challenge. And equal to that greatness is the difficulty of that challenge. Always, always. There's never been anybody who's reached greatness from being small or easy or simple. Greatness is only ever found on the other side of something difficult. 
So Hashem will send some kind of pain. A, to clean us. B, to wake us up. And three, to demand of us greatness. And that is tov. That's amazing that you're sending any of this. You are the greatest. And it's more than that because you are tov. Because the whole purpose of living is to connect to your tov. The whole purpose that you made life, the Ramchal, we saw that Derech Hashem told us, God created this world to give tov, to give good to other people. And that good is to be davuk, to connect to the greatest good. Everything in this world is nothing in comparison to God's good. And to connect to that because of that tov, because you gave us that, I want to jump to that level. I want to earn that level. I want that vav to be chibur the solach ata it's at this point that I'm thrilled I'm not Ashkenaz because they have mocha v'solach ata we skip right over the word mocha over here and this is my own pshat but I think it has to be at this point we show Hashem everything we said tonight Hashem says no longer do I consider him negligent look how much he wants it solach ata I'll forgive him for everything and that's it. <laughs> and then that's it. And then just all that destructive nature that we may have caused with our sins between us and Hashem, it's gone. It's salach, it's clean. We do this three times a day to really take an accounting of what it is that we're supposed to be doing. How greater can we become? And where are we negligent that we can build? And promise Hashem, I'm ready to do this. I'm ready to connect. I did shuva in the last brach. I returned to you. And now just that final part. And that final part is going to come as long as I recognize what I demand in my life as my own responsibility. And Hashem says, Salach Ata. Baruch Atah Hashem. Ah, bless you Hashem. You're so good. Chanon, you graciously give. I, I don't deserve this forgiveness, but you graciously are marbeh. Marbe means that you are abundant. You forgive quality and quantity. You forgive the many, many, the quantity of Averot and the quality, some of the worst Averot. You are Chanun HaMarbe Lisloach because once we have that recognition in ourselves, Hashem goes and builds. He builds that brick and mortar that we've created, that we brought up to Him, that now, like the Mechdom Leo says, Hashem gets us to the level of our purpose of connecting to Tov like we're before we sin. And now we're at the level of Amidah. We got the brains. We return to God. We've cleaned up completely and we've connected to Him. And I'm very excited to, in two weeks to tell you what the next one is. Have a great night. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.